So that was a little um, teaser there of what's coming, and uh, that's the theme of Easter this year. And as you guys know, when it gets to Easter time and Christmas um, and the Super Bowl, we say we have three Super Bowls at Kensington. It's Christmas, Easter, and the actual Super Bowl. And this is one of ours, and I'll just tell you, it is slated to be Act 1, Act 2, Act 3 on Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter. And they are unbelievable. They're beautiful. They're, they're going to be impactful. They will be life-changing. Um, you know, I've, I've been in the meetings to kind of find out what's coming. And I'm telling you, it's a lot of work on our arts and production team, but it is going to be unbelievable. Real And so here's what I wanted to say about that. Um, you know, we've got a huge uh, mailer going out to, you know, 20-something thousand homes in this area just to let them know about this. But this is one of those times of year where a simple invite from you can actually turn into life change for someone else, eternal life change for someone else. And so I just want to encourage you to be bold over the next few weeks and invite people here. They will come to Easter, they will come to Christmas, and sometimes they'll come to the Super Bowl. When they normally wouldn't come to a regular Sunday, they'll do one of those. And so please use this opportunity to invite people that don't go to church to come to church with you. And you'll be shocked by who will say yes, you absolutely will. Uh, this last Christmas, I was blown away that a couple of invites that I had put out people that I've been inviting for three years, by the way, um, that actually showed up and had a, just a, a life-altering moment there with God through our Christmas Eve services. And so you can use that for, for, uh, for this Easter. We would love to fill this place out, normal service times on Easter Sunday, but also Good Friday, incredibly impactful at 7 p.m. on that Friday, and then Palm Sunday. They are slated and they're kind of connected, so don't miss Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter. And then the week after Easter, April 8th, is our baptisms. We do baptisms a couple times a year. If you've never been baptized, I want to invite you to, I've never been baptized as an adult, I want to invite you to get baptized on April 8th, which is a public way of saying I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. We do it right over here in the pool. You'll hear more about that coming up, but I just want to let you know about that. So um, my name is Kevin Valentine. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are in week two of a series that we started last week. It's a three-week series. We'll conclude it next week called Unstoppable Force, and it's a series about the church and about how since Jesus founded the church over 2,000 years ago, it is still an unstoppable force today in our culture. And so the series is really about why is that? Why is the church still going strong? Why are you sitting in a church right now? And there's a whole lot more going on than you think into this whole church thing. Last week we said it's an unstoppable force because it's God's plan A to save the world, to tell them about Jesus. And uh, that, the, that the declaration that Jesus is Lord and he's the foundation of our faith and he died on the cross to pay for your sins, that declaration is the foundation for the church. It's his plan A to reach the world, which means you and I as God's plan A, and there is no plan B. So that's how Jesus left it. You're it, I'm it. This is how God wants to tell his message. If you missed last week's message, please go back and listen to it, kensingtonorlando.org, and uh, you can watch that service. Um, this week, I love the title of this message, Pastors Shouldn't Lead Churches. That's the title of this message, and I'm going to tell you why that is. We're going to get into that in just a minute, um, but there's a reason I believe that the church has been unstoppable for the last 2,000 years. And I'm just going to tell you, and you're probably not going to believe me except until the next, like, 50 minutes when I'm done talking. Um, you will have 60 minutes because you guys didn't make it laugh or anything. I'm just going to talk longer until you laugh at me. Um, no, at the end of this message, I hope you understand why what I'm about to say is true. Why the church has been an unstoppable force for 2,000 years is you. It is you. And it's not necessarily you specifically, but it is. It's actually what's in you. 
actually what's already been in you and what's in you right now. It's because of what happened, what God put in you when you accepted his message of truth and grace. And I'll just say this, I know that not all of you in the room are Christians. I know right now there's, a, there's 10, 15% of you that have not stepped across the line of faith and accepted Jesus Christ into your life. And I'm so grateful that you're here because today I'm going to hopefully shed some light on why the church hasn't been working right for centuries and what it looks like when the church does work right and how to get it to be where it's working right and you're involved. In fact, what makes the church right is you, and I want to tell you why that is. But before I jump into it, let me pray for us. Um, Dear Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you would just open our hearts and minds to your truth. I invite your presence here to do what only you can do, and that is is get behind the, the walls that many of us have built up in here that keep us from hearing your voice on a daily basis, the business, the the busyness that we live with, the distractions that are in our lives, God, the baggage that we carry from past hurts and difficulties in our life. God, may we put those down for the next little while and just be able to decipher and discern and hear your voice as clear as can be. So God, speak to us, teach us what you want us to know this morning and change us while we're here so that when we step outside of these doors, we're different than when we walked in. In your holy name, amen. So last week was the reason that the church is an unstoppable force because it's God's plan. And because of the declaration, Jesus is Lord, this week, why the church is an unstoppable force is because of this reality, and it is this, you are gifted. You are gifted. And I know some of you are going, well, like, (laughs) tell me something I don't know. I'm like, okay, not what your mama said to you your whole time growing up. Oh, you're so gifted, you're so good. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm actually talking about a different kind of giftedness, and it comes along with the transformation that happens when someone accepts the story and the truth of Jesus Christ. You find it in 2 Corinthians 5.17 where Paul is writing, the Apostle Paul who wrote a majority of the New Testament had an encounter with Jesus. His life was radically changed by Jesus, by that encounter. 2 Corinthians 5.17, he writes, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is actually gone and the new has come. And so when you look at that, you go, okay, well, what's, what's gone? It's the old way of life, the old way of thinking, the old way of living, the old way of being on this planet. And Paul say, look, a new day has come. And part of that new way of living is realizing that each person that accepts Jesus Christ is given what the scriptures call a spiritual gift. When a person accepts Jesus, Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit of God enters into their hearts and gives them gifts with which to use for God's purposes on earth, most often within the context of the local church. Now let me read you a passage of Scripture about just that, 1 Corinthians 12. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and someone else, the Holy Spirit, gives the gift of healing. And then he goes on a few verses later, he lists a number more, and then he gives us an analogy. He's like, okay, you've all been given gifts, each and every one of you, but let me tell you how they work together. There's a visual that he gives us to show us how they work. He says in verse 12, if you go down, three verses, just as a body, visual picture, just as a body, though one, has many parts. 
but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Jump down to verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, because we're all different body parts of the body, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, you and me, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And I'll just tell you, this passage of Scripture clearly talks about how each one of us as believers and followers of Christ, if you are that, not only do we need each other, but each one of us has a unique and important role within this community we call the church. Which means God has equipped each one of you individually with gifts and skills that are spiritual in nature. Have you ever had that thought in your mind? That you have a gift that is spiritual in nature that God has given to you and it's to be used for the good of all people. It's to be used and, 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 and engaged in the church. And I just want to say that again. You have been divinely created, uniquely gifted to use what you bring to the table and only you can bring to the table to grow the kingdom to build the church. See, when you take the gift that God's given to you and you add in your background, you add in your um, experiences, you add in your unique relationship with Jesus because we all have a different relationship with him, you add in your, past, your, your personality and you add in God's gifts, what you find is that you're a one of one on planet earth. You're, you are that unique. You are one of eight billion people and you're the only you that we have and you're the only you that is here. There's no one else on planet Earth that is uniquely wired up and gifted to impact the kingdom like you are. Nobody. No one can fill your shoes. No one can do what you can do. Which I love that. Because one of the missions that God has for you is to find what that gift is. And then use it. Build up his church. Be a change agent in the world. And I'll just tell you... Um, a little bit about these spiritual gifts, because sometimes you get gifts you don't ask for, you don't even know are there, but I'm telling you, some of you have gifts that you might know a little bit about in the back of your mind, or you don't even have an idea is there yet, but it'll be life-changing when you find it. And I'll just tell you how I found mine, um, and, and I'll just use myself as an example. Standing on this stage, um, uh, I would never have ever dreamed growing up that this was what I would be doing with my life. Never, never in a million years was this my plan. Um, I had a completely different plan. I was going to the PGA Tour. I was a really good golfer, extremely good golfer. That was my dream, fame, fortune, PGA Tour, watching myself on Sunday morning reruns that evening because I was playing on Sunday in the last group winning millions of dollars. Never, 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 ever was was my plan public speaking in a church, not on the list. I'd never spoken in front of a group of people all the way through high school. No, never took a class on public speaking. Um, I, I don't like being the center of attention, and this is what's interesting. So my brother did, uh, did announcements right now. It's Keith Valentine. He's my younger brother, even though he looks 10 years older than me. He's my younger brother. I'm just kidding. See, you guys are the same as last year. You're like, oh, that's so mean. It's not mean. He's my younger brother. That's my job, right? Um, 
But it's like he loves being in front of a group of people. You've seen him in dramas if you've been here for a while. You've seen him on Christmas and Easter. He's one of the lead actors that we have. He's always enjoyed the stage. He's always been drawn to the stage. I've always in our history been the wallflower. That is what I've been since I was a little kid. You put me in a group of people, I'm on the side. My brother's in the middle. That's how it's always been. In fact, my brother, I was so shy growing up, my brother would go into the group of people, meet a bunch of people, come and drag me in and introduce me to everybody. And that's how we worked from a very young age, uh, way on up into later than that. And so um, I, I'm going about my, my business. My brother's got this gift to be in front of people. I start volunteering in junior high at Kensington in the early 90s. And I find out by accident that I have this gift. There's just, there's just this gift to teach God's word. It's a Wednesday night, it's 5.30 p.m., 7 o'clock service starts, got about 12, 15 junior high kids going to show up. The leader um, who does all the teaching calls me at 5.30 and says, uh, I'm sick, I can't teach tonight, you're going to have to teach, it's about Lazarus, good luck. Hangs up the phone, like that's the conversation. And I'm just like, I do what anybody would do that doesn't do public speaking. I filled my drawers, changed my drawers, and then got to work going, I don't even know what to do. The internet wasn't around, so I couldn't research on the internet. Hey, Lazarus, tell me the story about him. I had to literally grab my Bible, open it up, and read the story of Lazarus so I even knew what to teach. So I take the next hour, I kind of put something together. The only thing I remember about anything I taught that night is that I took a junior high kid, I wrapped him up in toilet paper from head to toe and hid him in the bathroom so that at some point during the message, because Lazarus was the guy that Jesus raised from the dead and he came out in grave clothes. At some point during the message, I wanted to say, Lazarus, come forth. And this kid walk out mummified, right? So that's what I did. That's the only thing I remember about that whole deal. All I did, the other thing I remember is it didn't suck. It wasn't horrible. And I didn't pass out in front of this group of kids. It was kind of like it, I made it through it and the kids seemed to actually get something out of it. So I continued to teach here and there. Um, whenever the guy would be sick at six o'clock, he would call me. And then all of a sudden they would start scheduling me. And I started started regularly teaching God's word. And there was something that began to happen that I couldn't explain. There was a power behind me teaching God's word that I wouldn't come up with and I wouldn't dream would happen, but something would happen in a room where I was teaching God's word. Over time, I began to realize that teaching God's word is one of the things that I'm gifted to do. And that when I stand up here and do this, the Holy Spirit moves in ways that I can't explain why. But his power moves in such a way that lives are changed. And I wish I could say, oh, it's because I'm such a great orator and so smart and I just blow people away with my mental intelligence and ability to communicate. No, just the Holy Spirit shows up and stuff happens that people say, you changed my life. And I'm like, <laughs> I know that's not me. In fact, my wife um, will get home. This is, I know, this is how I know it's a spiritual gift. We'll get home and my wife will go, well, I know that wasn't you talking today because that was actually kind of good. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, thanks, honey. I, I used to be offended by that, but it's like I kind of realized, like, I'm kind of a moron. I'm a, my brother's like, he's like, Kevin, you know, the reality is that you do what you do is pretty surprising because you're a tool. You're just a, God, a tool that God uses. And I'm like, oh, thanks, Keith. Um, I'll be that. But when I'm using the gift that God gave me to teach, there is a power there that is just not for me. That's a spiritual gift. Just like you. Right now, you are gifted in a way that no one else on planet Earth is gifted. Do you know what that gift is? Do you know what spiritual gifts God has given you? Because he's given them to you if you've accepted Jesus Christ. And a good visual is this. It's like Christmas morning, you've got this great group of gifts lined up, packages that are beautifully wrapped. 
And the question is, these gifts that the Holy Spirit brought, have you unwrapped them yet? Or are they still sitting under the tree waiting to be found, waiting to be discovered, waiting for you to pursue and find out what God has given to you already to be used to do more than you could ever dream you could be a part of during the time you have on this earth? Because I'm telling you, when you bring what only you can bring to the table, as far as gifts go, the church is an unstoppable force in the world. The church, each church becomes a place that only that church can use its uniqueness to reach people. That's the beauty of the church. And people go, hey, what do you think about all these churches in this area? I love every church in this area because every church is uniquely gifted and called by God to do something different than every other church. We need all kinds of churches for all kinds of people. Now, let me show you an exhausted, uh, exhaustive list of spiritual gifts. If you want to know what spiritual gifts are, they are actually in Scripture. There's 28 of them. 28 of them. Chances are you're going to have two or three of them that are going to be yours specifically, that God showed up, put them under the Christmas tree of your life when you became a follower of Jesus. And they, they're pretty broad categories, so you have kind of different variations of each particular gift. And so we're going to dig into a little bit of teaching on what is it that the gifts kind of even look like. And so let me give you the first list here. You find them in Romans. There is uh, seven gifts there that are listed in Romans 12. Go on to the next one. Here's another group of gifts that are in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, and there's another group of gifts. You can go on to the next one. Um, there's another group of gifts that are in Ephesians, and then there's another group of gifts that you can kind of find all over Scripture here um, that have a, a total, totally different uses within the church. And then there's another, uh, I think, yeah, I think that's the last slide on that. All of these given to create one body with many moving parts, completely interdependent, but dependent on each other. Now, how do these get demonstrated in a single setting? And I just want to tell you a little story, okay? This is how the gifts kind of work out. If you were to, at a party with some Christian people that have their gifts kind of plugged into the Holy Spirit, and uh, someone is there and they spill grape juice on white carpet, okay? Now tell me, if you're at a party with about 8, 10 people and someone literally spills a full cup of grape juice on pure white carpet, what kind of noise would be made in the room? Just make it, make it. Oh, right? You'd be like, oh no, that's exactly what we would do, right? It'd be like, Wah! Well, here's how gifts show up in that setting, okay? This is spiritual gift. Someone with, someone in that moment with the gift of leadership, a spiritual gift of leadership, they would say, okay, everybody stand back, stand back. Okay, you go get the rug cleaner, you go get some paper towels, and somebody bring me some white vinegar. We got to get white vinegar on this right now. That's what someone with the gift of leadership is going to do. Someone with the gift of helps is going to already be on the way to get the wipes to come and clean up the mess. That's what they're going to already be doing the moment it spills. They're gone because they have that gift. Someone with the gift of mercy will be really consoled the idiot that spilled the grape juice and making them feel better about what they did. Someone with the gift of giving is going to already be thinking about how big the check they're going to need to write to clean the spot with professional cleaning so it looks good as new. Someone with the gift of administration is going to be taking notes of everything that happened so the minutes can be read later of actually what happened and who did it. Someone with a teaching gift would be teaching everybody in the room what happens when grape juice actually spills on white carpet and how it stains the carpet. And then someone with the gift of encouragement would be helping to keep the party going. They're saying, guys, don't worry about the grape juice, this is great. Let's keep partying. That's exactly how the gifts would show up naturally in a room like that. Every gift for a specific purpose for every scenario that comes up in our lives. And they will usually show up in your life before you even meet the Holy Spirit. 
because latent within you, hardwired into your DNA, is that gift. And the best way I can describe it is when you accept Jesus Christ into your life, it's like being plugged into 110 volts and all of a sudden plugging into a 220. It's like that gift gets absolutely energized in your life and it begins to have supernatural impact. It begins to have impact when you're not even trying. Impact when you're not even thinking about it. Impact because suddenly you're forced into a situation that causes one of those gifts to pop up out of nowhere. And suddenly you see results that result in life change in whatever group you're in. And you're going, I can't believe that just happened. What is that? That means you went from 110 to 220 with that gift. It is now Holy Spirit empowered and energized. Do you know what your gifts are? You know what your gifts are. Most people have two or three that'll show up every time. You know, some of you, maybe you do, and you're going, yeah, but I'm just the fingernail, the pinky fingernail in the body. Like, I just have this little teeny tiny gift, and I'm just like, can you imagine life without fingernails? Oh, my gosh. How horrible of a life would that be? Hey, I need to scratch an itch. Rub, 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 rub. Like, that's not even fun. Hey, I need to get rid of something that's somewhere I don't want it. Oh, no, you know, you need fingernails for that. It's a little, gr- I tr- thought that'd be funnier, just disgusting, sorry. <laughs> just a disgusting analogy. But here's how you can go find your spiritual gifts, because it's like we've got to be practical when we teach God's word. Uh, if you go to our website, kensingtonorlando.org resources, there is a spiritual inventory you can click on there, and it'll just start asking you questions about your life, and it'll give you two or three spiritual gifts that you can start narrowing down to see, is this a gift that God actually gave me? Is this something that, how can I use this within the church? Because your gifts are unique, and they're unique to you, they're unique to this church. And let me just tell you, If you have not found out what your spiritual gifts are, if you do not know and you're not employing them to move God's kingdom forward, they are Christmas gifts under the tree of your life that you will never get to experience until you open them. And who likes unopened Christmas gifts? They're life-changing. I'm telling you, these gifts are life-changing. Go take this inventory. There's another passage of Scripture that I want to read that really lays out the spiritual gifts that God gives us to be employed in the church, kind of the leadership gifts of the church. Ephesians 4, um, verse, starting with verse 11. It was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Why did, he get, why did he call those five gifts out and why are they specific? What are they for? Verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service. Those five gifts specifically are there to prepare God's people for works of service, to encourage people to use their gifts for works of service so that, that's the reason why God gave them to us, the body who is us, of Christ, may be built up until we all, which implies there's going to be a goal that's going to be met, we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then, after that process... We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is, here's the visual aid again, the head, that is Christ, from him the whole body, all the parts of the body, all the gifts of the, of the Holy Spirit, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its 
work. If you have been coming for a while, if you've been a part of Kensington for a while, for a while you know that I'm not called Pastor Kevin here, and that I don't like being called pastor. In fact, my little brother this morning in announcement run through, the run through of the service, he said discovering Kensington was going to be at Pastor Kevin's house. Guess who met him two steps down before he hit the ground over here when he walked off? Saying, don't call me that, bro. Don't call me that. There's a very specific reason why. It's why this t- message is titled, Pastors Don't Lead Churches. Do you know the word pastor is only mentioned in the New Testament one time? That's it. And it's here in this passage in Ephesians. It's not a title. It was never intended to be a title. It's a spiritual gift. And just so you know, a little secret here. I don't have that gift. I don't have the pastor gift. Is it in there? Very low. It's like at the bottom. It's like the lowest one on there. It ekes up onto the scale like that much. Now... Let's talk about these five gifts that lead the church. The first one is apostle. This is kind of how you can kind of decipher them. The apostle is the one who goes. The prophet is the one who knows. The evangelist is the one who recruits. The pastor is the one who cares. I care about you. I just have to work at it a little. It's not natural, okay? And I'm not saying that to be a jerk. I'm talking about spiritual giftedness here. And then you've got the teacher as one who explains. So while I leave those up there, let me talk about each one. The apostle, the one who goes, that is the take the hill gift. It's the entrepreneur of the church world. This gift is on mission. It is the go pulse. It is why we go take new things. It is why when the opportunity came to come down here to Florida and start something new, Melissa and I, well, I was like, let's go. And Melissa's like, I don't think I have a choice. Let's go too. Yay. You know, that was kind of the deal. And we came down here. The prophet, the one who knows where to go. It's kind of like the, the business consultant. If the apostle says we're going to take that city for Christ, you've got the, uh, the prophet that comes in and says, okay, we're going to start in this school or we're going to go to this area, we're going to buy this piece of land because God's directing through the prophet the direction that we should go. And then you've got the evangelist. He's like the one who recruits. He's the Jesus salesman of the group. It's the Jesus salesman uh, gift. It communicates the gospel in such a way that people are called to faith. They're called to fall in love with Jesus and give their life over to them. They have a natural gift to lead people to faith. That's the evangelist. And then you have the pastor. It's the one who cares. I care. Just to say that again. But it's the one who really cares. This is like the human resource department of the church, okay? That's what they do. This is a shepherding gift. It's a nurturing gift. It's a caring gift. It's a we've got to protect our people gift. Somewhere along the way, this became the standard title for a lot of denominations, but not everybody with the title of pastor is caring and nurturing. That's not the way the gift works. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And then you've got the teacher is the one who explains the word of God. This is like your corporate trainers. This is like the one that comes in and say, hey, let me teach you how to use this new software. They're just going to be teaching within the organization um, in such a way so that people better understand it. These are in order. You have apostles. They create an environment that gives birth to all the other ministry. If the apostle stops working, stops going, the church stops being the church, gets off mission. Without the apostle, the prophet has no, nothing to discern or no mission to follow. Those two people together, um, the task those two create um, together gives the evangelist his role. So the evangelist can reach people without people being reached for the kingdom. Pastors and teachers have no one to care for and nurture. There's no one to explain things to. So what's wrong with the title pastor? Somewhere along the way, we chose the word pastor as the leader of the church, and that became the traditional title. And there's a reason why. Because 
people want to be need, want to want to have somebody care for them, and people uh, need care. Well, what's the pastor? What translation is shepherd? What do shepherds do? They tend the flock. They shepherd the sheep. It's literally translated into what we long for is that caring and shepherding person. And if you think about that, if you just think about that in the churches you've gone to or the th story you've heard about churches, what happens if, if whoever's standing up on this platform, whoever, whoever's in charge of the church, is titled pastor? That's why so many pastors burn out. That's why you see a lot of churches where the lead guy, the pastor, may be a great counselor, but he's not a very good speaker. Or maybe he's a great speaker, but he's not a very good leader. Or maybe he's a great teacher, but he's so inward focused that the church never reaches outside of the walls. It's because no one person was meant to have all those gifts. No one person was meant to have all of those gifts. Except for oftentimes in the church, we expect the pastor, whoever's up front, to do all the marrying, burying, Visit hospitals, cast vision, train leaders, do all marriage counseling, be a financial genius, be a compelling teacher, receive special wisdom and insight from God, be good with administration, property management, business savvy. We want all that wrapped up in one person. Thank you very much. And I'm just telling you, there's not a lot of people out there. There's some super pastors out there. You, you, you guys drew the short straw, okay? Sorry. Um, but let me just tell you a little bit about me. Every time I take the spiritual gift assessment for the last 20 years, there are three that fight for the top spot. And they're kind of equal in me, for whatever reason, the unique way God wired me. But they're apostle. That one always shows up in one of the top three. It's one of the reasons why we're in Florida. Evangelist, one of the reasons I exist is to tell people about Jesus and see them accept him. And then this teaching gift, there's something supernatural that just happens when I teach God's word that I can't explain, but it happens almost every time. And that's just one of those spiritual giftedness things. So to call me Pastor Kevin is to call me by a spiritual gift that I don't even have. And it's something we don't, want, we don't do with any of the other gifts, right? You're not going, hey, you seen Evangelist John today? You know, well, how, how you doing? Pretty good, Teacher Debbie. You know, very, very good. Hey, where's Apostle Paul? <laughs> you know, it's a Christian joke there. Prophet Jerry, you know what he's doing? How about Pastor Kerry and, and Administrator Beth? Like, what, what are they up to? Like, it's like we just don't talk that way about any other gift, but the pastor one, somehow we've allowed to be the title of whoever's in charge. And so let me just tell you, if that's, the, uh, if that's the need for my role in the church, I'm not very good at it. You don't want me pastoring and counseling you. I'm good for about two counseling sessions where I'll give you a little bit of, of good advice, but then I've got to pass you off to somebody with a pastoring, shepherding gift and a counseling gift, which is usually Bill Malott or Brian Love or people like that that just are gifted in areas that I'm not. And I learned this early on as a leader. I'm telling you, I was like in my... I was in my late 20s, early 30s at a very large church up in Michigan, and uh, I had this couple that, like, demanded to meet with me. We had so many other pastors on staff. We had all these Stevens ministers and everything, and they're like, I was a guy up on stage teaching regularly, so they're just like, hey, we got to meet with Pastor Kevin, right? And I'm just like, okay, fine, I'll meet with you. Well, I'm just telling you, it didn't go very well for them. For me, I thought I did a great job, but I'm telling you, so they sat down with me after about 60 minutes of them telling me all the issues that they got. I literally was like, I thought I heard from God. You know, I'm just, I'm not very sensitive sometimes, but I I swear, I heard from God, and I just looked at him, and I'm like, stop it. Just stop it. Stop doing what you're doing. Oh, my, I can't believe you do that. And you, would you let him finish a sentence? You can't even let him finish a sentence in our meeting here. Stop nagging him like you do. And you start listening to her, and I go back and forth between the two, and I get to the point where I'm just like, if you guys would just stop all that stuff, you might have a chance. But if you don't, God help you. You know, and they're just like, no, we're here because we want God to help us. What are you doing? That's how the counseling session went. And I thought, I did such a good job. I, they're going to make it. 
That literally, I just don't have that shepherding, nurturing, caring gift. And it's not because I don't want to. It's because if I do it, I'm doing it in my own power and in my own strength. And you don't want that. Who do you want to sit down with for counsel and care and shepherding? You want to sit down with somebody with that spiritual gift of pastoring. Because when in that moment, when that gift is enabled and empowered and you experience that from them, you will feel like you just met with Jesus' little brother or sister. Because God will talk to you through them in ways that, that he just won't through me because of the gift. That's why we need people with all kind of gifts in the church. And look, if you call me Pastor Kevin, I'm okay with it, okay? I don't prefer it. But when you look at the giftedness that God has called, we need all kind of gifts in the leadership of the church, in the body of the church. And we have pastors here that are incredibly pastoral. We have leaders that are great leaders. We have apostles that are great, phenomenal entrepreneurs in the church world of starting new things. We have amazing things happening in here. And so in light of that, let's look at these leadership roles in the church. You have the apostle, and this is beautiful how God did this because all the gifts are like this. You have the apostle, he's one who goes, and guess which way he's focused? Outward. She's focused outward. You have a prophet, one who knows. Guess which direction they're focused? Outward, outside the four walls of the church. You have the evangelist, one who recruits. Guess which way they're focused? Outward. And then you get to the pastor. Guess which way they're focused? Inward. And then you have the teacher. Guess which way a teacher's focused? Inward. And there's a reason why three are focused outward and two are focused inward. It's because the church should always be beating up against the gates of hell with everything it's got. And when we all take our unique spiritual gifts and we employ them in the church, you see a church that is unstoppable. When all 28 gifts with your uniqueness are put together within the community of the church, it becomes an unstoppable force. And I'll just tell you, one of my buddies, uh, one of my buddies, I've met him a few times, one of my uh, most inspirational guys that I've ever heard teach is Bill Hybels. He's a leader of a church in Illinois. He's always said, hey, the church is the hope of the world when the church is working right. And let me just tell you, when the church is working right, it is driven by people with an apostleship gift. It's led by leaders with a leadership gift. It's administrated by people with administrative gifts. It's taught by people with teaching gifts. It's cared for by people with pastoral gifts. It's directed by people with prophetic gifts. It's surrounded with people with mercy gifts. It's set up and torn down by people with gifts of helps. It's ushered and greeted by people with hospitality gifts. And when you do that, I'm just telling you, the church becomes an unstoppable force because everyone's using their unique specific purpose for the purpose of growing the body of Christ. That's why with an, with an apostle in charge, with someone who's always thinking about how to take new ground, we will always have a go pulse in our church. We will always be looking for God. Where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? We will always want to start new churches. We will always have a full court press on what is next that God wants to do where we're focusing outward on the taking new ground and focusing inward with the other gifts to build up the body of Christ. That's why we're always wanting to plant new churches. Do you realize a new church is 20 times more likely to reach somebody for Christ than an existing church? If we want to take more ground for Jesus, what do we got to be doing? Planting churches on a consistent basis. Two years ago, we planted Renovation Church. I talked to John two weeks ago, and I'm telling you, we're a part of an incredible story happening right up there by UCF. He started a church right across the street from UCF, and they are reaching young people and old people alike right by the college, and they are thriving right now. 
But let me just tell you what's behind this mission statement that we have to see everyone transformed and mobilized by Jesus. What's the transformation? The Holy Spirit making you something new. What's the mobilization? Find out what your gifts are and let's put them to work. Because you can get some work done if you're doing it on your own power. But man, let me tell you, when you employ that Holy Spirit power, you are on overdrive. You, you, you wear a big, a big S on your chest all of a sudden. For spirit, for spirit, okay, not Superman or woman, for spirit, Holy Spirit. Because all of a sudden you've got a power that you didn't have before. And so I want to show you a video um, of what happens when a church like ours employs the gifts that we have with an effort to change the world. And I want you to see a video of a bunch of churches and movements and ministries that we've started around the world. If you've been a part of Kensington for the last seven and a half years here in Florida, you know we're, we've been connected for the last seven years um, with a larger Kensington movement in Michigan. And if you are engaged in giving here or you are engaged with, with uh, you know, if you've been a part of capital campaigns, there's a portion of money that has gone to build and start new things, including John uh, Evans Church up there called Renovation Church. And so I want you to see this video of what happens when a group of people does this and is open-handed with, what, with the result. And so now before we do that, we're going to receive our offering. So ushers, if you guys can come forward. This is a moment for those of you that are new here, let the basket go by. We're not interested in your money. Um, I don't want this to be an awkward uh, moment for you. In fact, the basket's going to go by a lot of people because many of our regulars give online. And uh, just for those of you that give regularly here, thank you for being a part of our mission and our vision and, and uh, helping fuel the movement of God through Kensington here in Orlando. And I'll just tell you that goal pulse as we step out and become our own 501c3 entity, um, which we talked about in our town hall meeting, um, that Go pulse is not going to stop. We will never stop planting churches. We will never stop looking around the globe to see where God wants us to move as a church. We will never stop looking locally for ministries to support and get involved in. And so I want you to just see this video, video of people saying thank you to you for doing what you've done and being a part of what you've been a part of. So let's watch this. Hey, what's going on, Kensington? I'm Clint. And I am Michael, and we are at Easttown Church. It's Vince Antonucci from Verve Church in Las Vegas. This is Dave Kubiak from Antioch Church in St. Clair Shores. Hey, Kensington, this is Dave Nelson out in K2 The Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Travis here with Miles City Church in Livonia, Michigan. Hey, this is John and Catherine Evans from Renovation Church in Oviedo, Florida. This is Colin and Liz Hartfield. We moved out to the greater Boston area back in August with a view to planting Anthem Church later this fall. I'm Julius Moore. Gore, uh, the director of Home Harvesters International. This is Jaya from India. This is Ramesh Sapkota. I'm from Nepal. It's been nearly 10 years since you sent Chris and me and a group of others out to New York City to plant a church called Communitas. I want to thank you because you have been a part of what we've been doing since the very beginning. You guys uh, supported us financially with your prayers, sent mission teams, and we are here today because of you. Last week, I had the opportunity to meet a reporter, and it was his first time ever in church. And uh, he said, I just want to let you know, I'm going to come back next Sunday because I can't wait to learn more. And the first person we saw come to Christ was a pimp, and we have seen prostitutes and uh, gang members and you name it, Satanists. And you guys are part of every single one of those lives that have been changed. We are already gathering a group of people, about 20 to 30 people that have been gathering on a regular basis. And in just a few short months, we're already seeing over 100 people gathering weekly. You know, over a thousand people are going to show up today, and that's been the case for years here. We have been fighting against human trafficking and rescuing the girls who've been 
taken from the country of Nepal. And so we just want to say thank you again for all that you have done, all the sacrifices that you have made uh, to make this possible. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you. Thank you for your incredible support. Just know that what you're doing there is impacting tons of people out here in Salt Lake. From New Life Church on Wayne State's campus in Detroit, Michigan, thank you, Kensington. From Grumlaw Church in Grand Blanc, Michigan, thank you. From Detroit Church in the heart of Midtown Detroit, thank you to all our friends, Steve, Greg, and the entire Kensington family. All, all things new! Thank you so much. We literally couldn't have done it without you. Thank you! Isn't that cool? I'm telling you. Yeah, you can clap for that. I talked with John Evans um, just two weeks ago, and he again was just saying, I, you guys have no idea how big of a part of what God's doing here you guys have been. It's like from even believing in us, I don't know if you remember, we had him standing on this stage and we invited people to go with them because we're always asking people to go, which I hate to do, but you've got to be open-handed. And still, I, I still tell the story. It's like there's a, there's a whole family. They sat right there on the second row. And it is like I see them around here, but they felt God calling them to go launch that church with John Evans. And I was like, are you sure? And they're like, oh yeah, beyond a shadow of a doubt. They're still there and they're still going strong. I saw them at the gym just the other day with my, you know, I visited the gym in February once and, uh, and, uh, and, and I said hey to him and he just says, man, things are going great out there. And it's just such a cool, cool thing to be a part of what God is doing around the, the, the globe. But let me just tell you, there is not, um, that we're not about the pastor here at this church. And there's a, a really simple reason why. Show me in the Bible where there is this elite super class of Christian that runs around with a spiritual sword running around the planet to save the world. There's just not that passage of scripture. Um, you, you can't show me that passage of scripture because what is in there is this passage of scripture written to every single one of us. And so I want you to just whatever you've got going on in your heart and your mind right now that's distracting you from this moment, I want you to drop it. And I want you to hear God's word speak directly to your heart. Because this is what God says. But you are a chosen people. Chosen past tense, chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You might be sitting there going, no, that's not my job. That's your job. No, it's not. God's speaking to everyone. So you are a royal priesthood. Pastors, leaders, ministers, counselors, givers, administrators, helpers. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation means set apart a people belonging to God you have a family that God has called you to that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light we call it the priesthood of the believer you know what that means there there is no gap from the edge of this stage to the front row no gap I'm not here and you're there I'm just a guy using the gifts God's given me the best way I know how to build the kingdom. That's it. And what God is asking you to do is the same. In whatever way he has for you, is would you, would you, would you go find out the gifts he's given you, he's put under the tree of your life, and then would you use them to build the church wherever he sends you, to do whatever he's asked you to do. Because if you will, we will be an unstoppable force. 
we will be a church that hundreds, if not thousands of people meet Jesus through. And then become mobilized by Jesus. And I'll just tell you, that's why we're always inviting you to be a part of the Go Pulse around here. To get involved here, but then, man, when God says go, you go. When God says you follow me and trust me, you follow him and you trust him. Whether it's getting involved here or leaving and going and starting something brand new. We want to empower the spiritual gifts that are within you so that you can then help empower other people's spiritual gifts. And we can change the world together. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life, you've never taken that 110 and plugged it into 220, maybe today's your day. Because that dream and passion and vision that God had for your life, that gift that has been latent in your life, sitting on the shelf for maybe decades, God is just waiting for you to plug it in and see what happens. And I'll just tell you, you will never find more fulfillment on this planet than than when you are using the gift that God gave you to further his kingdom because you will find mission that lasts for eternity. You will know in the soul, in your soul, that it's not temporary and that it's worth your life. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this moment right now. Lord, we're... I just believe you're speaking to every one of us in here. God, for those in the room right now that they don't know what gifts you've given them, they've never pursued it, they've never sought out answers, God, I pray that you would just give them a compulsion inside to go find out what you've given to them and how you've wired them. And then, Lord, once they find out, I just pray that you would give them an incredible desire to jump in and use them to serve. God, I pray for those of us in the room that maybe we even know what those gifts are, but they've been sitting on the shelf for so long, we don't even know if they still work. God, I pray that you would just engage us right now and encourage us to use those gifts for your kingdom's purposes, to get involved here, to use those gifts in ministry, actively pursuing the lost, building a community of people that love you with their whole hearts. And God, for those in the room right now that don't know you yet, and maybe today's their day, there is an openness to your story and to who you are. Lord, I I pray for them right now that you would give them the courage to invite you in. And if that's you, all you have to do is invite Jesus Christ in to be the Lord of your life and to forgive you for your sins. And the Holy Spirit will enter in and plug in that cord. And you will go from old to new. Jesus, may we be a church that every single gift is known and pursued and employed to reach the lost. In your holy name, amen. I'll say this, we're going to close our service with a song. and um, We played it last week for you, and it is really a song about the mission. That's God's pursuit of you, but then also our pursuit of the world to reach them for Jesus. And so I want you to, I want to invite you to stand up with me and we are just going to allow some people with some music gifts uh, to lead us in worship. And I want to encourage you just to sing out as God captivates your heart through this song, sing it out and let's go to the feet of Christ right in this moment and praise him.